Folks, the Winnipeg Jets have closed out their road trip against the Nashville Predators, and things didn't go exactly to plan. The Jets fell uh, in a bit of a frustrating game, 2-1 to loss, and you might say, well, was Winnipeg offensively uh, unambitious? Was there amazing goaltending? And what can the Jets learn from this very difficult and frustrating game? We'll dive into this one, plus some recent Jets news and developments, all coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey Jets fans, welcome to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is 100% free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Talking about the Jets, obviously, against uh, Nashville, you know, there were some really frustrating things that we we mentioned we kind of saw. This was a game in which the Jets weren't explicitly poor, but... You know, Winnipeg's lack of finishing ability outside of the top six and, you know, some excellent goaltending from Yusuceros kind of put the Jets in a bit of a bind, right? You you blink first, you probably lose this game. This is not really what I expected, to be honest. I thought the Jets would actually have a pretty reasonable shot at winning this one. And it wasn't for, you know, Connor Hellebuck being poor or anything like that. In fact, he was quite awesome in net for the Jets. Um he stopped like, I don't know what, like 38 shots or something like that and really only conceded one or two opportunities that you, you just sort of kind of have to tip your cap and say, yep, that's fair enough. I, I, I think the Jets are going to look at this and feel that, you know, the effort was there and it, it wasn't like it was a poor game. The Jets were skating quickly. They were skating hard. Uh, offensively, they created stuff in the slot and, you know, they probably enjoyed some of their looks on the power play. But I think what this game kind of showcased is that the the Jets are a very strong team. There's no denying that. I think Winnipeg definitely is, uh, like I said previously, very much playoff bound. This is a team that is clearly up for most opponents. I mean, you, you look at uh, you know the the variety of uh, competitors out there, and the Jets generally seem to match up pretty well against a lot of them. They even came really close to uh, stealing a point off of the Boston Bruins. And it was only for like a, a an unfortunate turnover and bounce uh, in that game in which the Jets fell just a bit short. So this game, I, I just thought I was hoping for a little bit more from Winnipeg. It wasn't a bad experience necessarily, but I think it highlights the, the fact that the Jets are still looking for like um, a next level finisher. I think what we are seeing is that the depth players are not really providing as much as you'd like. Uh, Mendelein and Lowry... Baron and some of these other guys, you know, maybe in certain roles, they might be really effective. 
Uh, Baron has, you know, just an, enough skill and playmaking ability to be a really fun, maybe like third or fourth liner. Lowry, we know, can be a really uh, lethal, you know, three or four C. And, you know, the other guys, maybe Stenland occasionally, uh, Janssen Fialbi. If you find spots for those players, sometimes they can be uh, a really effective depth competitive player. But this time, you know, the Jets' third and fourth lines just really didn't provide enough. And I think in that respect, uh, you know, Winnipeg just was asking for more. And this is where um, not having like that extra layer of scoring depth has has really cost the Jets, uh, especially in, in games in which you know your opposing goalie is actually having a really solid evening. Uh, Saros had to make a number of really difficult stops. And sure, you might look at the all situations, expected goals. And yeah, Nashville did kind of trump the Jets in a lot of areas, but it wasn't like Winnipeg wasn't creating themselves. They only scored one, but they probably deserved at least one or two more. So very tight affair. I, I think the Jets will feel maybe a little bit robbed. I'll, I'll say that the scoreline for me is probably uh, reasonably reflective of what I thought the overall performance was like. I think Nashville did deserve the win. You can't really be... 2-2 upset with a 2-1 loss, but, you know, a 2-3 and three run on the road trip recently, a very hard road trip. I, I think it shows where the Jets are at and what they still need come trade deadline. I think that there's a lot on this team that, you know, there is to like. It, it's not like the, when the Jets are, like, really far away from being this really strong competitor. It's more like Winnipeg really needs to try and chase for, like, a, a top-level player, right? something at the trade deadline or even before then that really changes this team's outlook. And I think obviously, you know, Winnipeg is going to try to um, find somebody that they can build around somebody that can be a, you know, a player who maybe comes back for the next couple of seasons. And so they're not looking for just a rental. And I think that is probably a really good mindset because some of the players that are going to be available in a few weeks here are, are really worth extending long-term or if they've got term uh, you take their cap hits on. So We'll talk about one particular player and, and why he has kind of risen to the top and, you know, some of the stuff around him and around some of the Jets players uh, as Winnipeg is trying to figure out how to negotiate the next two years of players who have expiring contracts while still trying to go for that Stanley Cup win. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. The NFL playoffs here, and we are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new, new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and super easy. New customers can join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props and odds, and you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Now, for me, I, I think, you know, I was saying I thought the Jets had a pretty good shot against the Nashville Predators. Uh, if you're into maybe being a bit of a home better, I think the Jets against the Sabres and Blues are probably two bets that are reasonable, but, you know, we all know that the Jets don't always win games that they should, so bear that in mind if you're putting some money down on these two. But I think for Winnipeg and for myself, I would say two victories back-to-back, -back, it's a pretty easy, easy bet to make. Now, all of this is, of course, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use, so football fans, don't miss out. 
Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. As always, we are part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network and appreciate you tuning in to catch us every single evening, morning, and midday. Now, of course, we were just talking about the Jets uh, really trying to squeeze out offense and, and finding ways to beat teams like the Nashville Predators. Unfortunately, didn't work for the Jets this time, fell short 2-1, to one, and you know, the, the Jets, like I've said, have got a really strong team, but the, the surrounding pieces, right, maybe not quite at, at the level that Winnipeg was hoping for. Now, one of the core players that I think is going to become a, a bit of an interesting talking point over the next few months was brought up recently, I think on Jeff Merrick's podcast, maybe um, the speculation that, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois maybe could have changed his mind, maybe was willing to stay and sign long term. That appears to be put to bed, more or less. Dubois still really wants to go home, still really dreams of Montreal, and, you know, that's totally fair. But I think for the Jets, it now puts Winnipeg in a really interesting situation where if you're not going to be extending uh, PLD long-term, right, you suddenly find yourself with a lot more cap space. Um, Dubois most likely would have been in the 8 to 9, maybe even closer to $10 million range. I think that would probably be at like the max that, you know, some team would offer him, but that's kind of like the price bracket, right? You're talking about an elite first line center, somebody who is a whirlwind of offense. And that's what the jets were going to have to sink into Dubois. And now they're going to have that space to work with. Uh, plus maybe some assets that they get in trade. If they can get uh, Dubois to Montreal before his rights expire. I think for Winnipeg, you know, the, the, the main thing is looking for elite play driving skill transition ability, and somebody who can be a phenomenal creator. And that's why I think if Winnipeg is really serious about all of this, is really serious about competing, not just this year, but for the next few years, then they really have no choice but to go for broke with Timo Meyer. Uh, I think for me, Meyer is uh, the absolute best rental and longer term addition the Jets could make. Uh, Timo also has a really good rapport with uh, Nikolai Ehlers. They were both, uh, what, teammates and juniors. They're both very good friends. And I think for me, you know, Meyer has been uh, at the top of like my wish list in terms of like dream scenarios where the Jets make a major acquisition. I, I don't think this is going to happen, right? Uh, the Sabres, the Devils, all of these teams are really interested in Meyer services and might be able to offer a little bit more than the Jets are willing to pay. But when I look at the fits uh, of what Winnipeg needs and all of these other teams that are chasing uh, the same thing and, and really looking for a player to kind of, you know, complete that next level of competitiveness. I feel like the Jets might be the best positioned of all of them to give Meyer not only a really big contract, but also fit his current cap hit and look towards uh, building an even deeper team with one or two other trades. So I think the Jets are really well positioned. Uh, the cupboard is not exactly like amazingly stocked in terms of trade bait you know you might be talking about Heinola, Lambert, Lucius names in that general uh, vicinity of, of talent to convince the Sharks that you've got the best trade option I'm sure it's going to involve a first round pick maybe even a second or third uh, it's going to be a big package make no mistake and I think the Jets would really prefer it to be a situation where 
They know Meyer is very interested in signing a big long-term deal. And if that's the case, you know, get it done. I think I'm at the stage where I, I feel there's not much that I would say is untouchable on Winnipeg's roster and uh, in their system for the Jets to really chase after a big fish like this. I think if if management is serious about showing us commitment to the cause, commitment to building a true playoff contender, and a commitment to the fans, Meyer would be a massive statement of intent. It would be really hard for me to um, imagine the Jets replacing Dubois otherwise, but if you go for Meyer, if you bring him in, you're basically getting a player who might even be a little bit more skilled and a little bit more consistent than Dubois is. So Meyer, you know, you're, you're already building on an amazing foundation with what Dubois has built so far, but now you're adding uh, an elite wing presence and Dubois probably won't be out the door until what summer maybe uh, or next year if they can't quite figure things out immediately. So in the meantime, you could have Meyer be one of his flanking line mates. I mean, you, you think about all of the scenarios in which the Jets are trying to add more punch to the bottom six. And by bringing Meyer in, you could probably move Wheeler to like the third line, right? You maybe find yourself with a Baron, Lowry, and Wheeler line. I think that would be an elite third line. I think, you know, you don't necessarily have that that high-end speed, right? But what you have is a lot of skill, a lot of forechecking ability. And I think that there's a nice congruency in skill sets that would make that unit a lot more effective. And it would also maybe take some of the pressure off of the fourth line. I think that unit has been a little bit overtaxed, and it really hasn't been doing all that well recently. So, you know, if the Jets are serious about making this team truly something special to watch and, and something that is at a level to where Winnipeg is starting to talk about chasing the true top of the league. You know, I, I'm like very okay with them going for broke and making this season and the next their two gambles because you don't have Hellebuck guaranteed after that. Uh, a lot of players like Shifley, Dubois, etc. everyone's expiring. And so Winnipeg really needs to make these next two seasons count as much as humanly possible and also set itself up for the future after that. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about um, the, the two-year competitive window, but if the Jets play their cards right, the next few years could be really, really profitable for Winnipeg. Wheeler is expiring in a couple of seasons, uh, you know, after 2024, his deal is up. So the Jets will have even more cap space to work with. The cap ceiling uh, itself is going to increase. So the Jets, among a lot of the teams out there, after all of the mistakes and stumbles that they've made, they're probably in a better position than most of the league to start truly retooling on the fly and building something special for 25 and beyond. So lots of reasons to be optimistic. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that. Uh, let me know what you think the Jets should do or who you think they should acquire. Do you think it's going to be more like a Mikhaev kind of acquisition, maybe even a Kuzmenko? Or do you think the Jets might actually be able to woo Timo Meyer and bring him in for more than just a year? Drop your comments below and thoughts on that uh, or at my social medias, of course, at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. But in just a little bit, we're going to talk about um, Winnipeg's upcoming game against the Buffalo Sabres and why I think that this is probably a really good time for the Jets to uh, really assess their their blue line uh, opportunities and who you know maybe should be more on the outs in a potential deal if the Jets are really serious about you know, trying to open up spots and maybe even bring Heinola back into the team. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
We're just closing out tonight with some quick thoughts on Winnipeg's upcoming game against the Sabres and why, you know, this game and and some of the others that the Jets have upcoming before the All-Star break are good showcases for what the Jets have to offer in trade and potentially helping them to uh, clear out some of the, I would say, excess baggage that they're carrying around. Right now, you know, the Sabres are a very tough team. I think Winnipeg only made it through against them on the road uh, a couple of games ago with some good goaltending and some fortunate scoring opportunities. Winnipeg was clinical that game on Buffalo's mistakes, but the Sabres, the Sabres almost came back and, and made it very difficult for the Jets to come out of that one relatively unscathed. I think this game should be one in which the Jets have a little bit more control. Uh, Winnipeg with Ehlers back in tow has been playing better hockey, generally speaking, a couple of games on the road, maybe not so much recently, but um, overall the trend is very positive. Ehlers has just been such a huge difference maker, but of course, Winnipeg is still trying to add, you know, one or two pieces here and there, trying to figure out how to uh, reorient this forward unit to make it more dangerous and looking at the longer term picture of of how to uh, maybe take advantage of the, the overabundance of defenders and turn that into some forwards. And I think that brings me to a, a real natural point about what the Jets need to do with their blue line. Now is the time more than ever to try and clear the roadblock, right? Sandberg just got benched on his birthday to bring Logan Stanley in. Uh, speaking of which, I think a, a lot of people were reacting to that pretty negatively. I sort of wonder if that was actually like an, like a reward or something. Uh, Sandberg's been playing through illness, I'm sure, recently. Maybe he's even a bit nicked up. So I'm going to choose to read into it that way for now until we know for sure that you know it, it was a situation of just wanting Stanley in. I think if that was the case, I would be less enthused with that. But if the Jets were just giving Sandberg time off to either spend with his family or to relax, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I would just like to make sure that, you know, Winnipeg isn't putting Sandberg to the side when he's been one of our most consistent uh, uh, third pairing blue, uh, blue liners that we've had for a while. So Sandberg, I think, should definitely be a part of this unit. But the Jets are going to have to figure out how to uh, handle Stanley, uh, uh, Pionk, and some of the other guys, right? Schmidt, you probably can't move. Stanley, I think, has decent trade value, but you're probably not looking at a lot, generally speaking, unless you can convince maybe another team like, I don't know, the Oilers or something, that Stanley's presence is a major game changer, and then you could bring in somebody like Puya Yarvi for your third or fourth line. But Pionk, I think, has to be the guy that the Jets are really thinking about long-term. Uh, DeMello, you know, is really good. Morrissey, untouchable. Um, Schmidt, he is kind of what he is, which is not really movable because of that cap hit. Brendan Dillon, I think, is also somewhat expendable, but by the same token, the team really likes him. He has a hard-nosed, hard-tackle physical style that Winnipeg tends to like, and we know that when he's away from Pionk, he's actually pretty good. And so Neil has kind of sunk every single pairing that he's been on. He's had a rough season, but he still scores a lot. And I think that part at least is going to count a lot in his favor when it comes to trades. Is it going to be enough to sort of upset the balance of his defensive deficiencies? I don't know. But I think in terms of like opening up roster spots and trying to open up cap space, I think Pionk, I would basically let go for just about any reasonable trade that came Winnipeg's way. That cap space and having it back is so important for the Jets right now and for the near term. Uh, like the next few years, right? He is being paid almost six mil and he's got terms. So the Jets really need to figure out if that's the kind of player they want to be investing those resources into or if they cut their losses and realize that 
Pionk might just be who he is, and that's not changing anytime soon. I think we've seen that Heinola can be about at you know the same level of player. Heinola's worst is about where Pionk has been for the last year is at the bottom. Sorry, just cut out briefly. I was just saying, you know, if that's where Heinola is at the bottom with Pionk, then we know that Heinola's uh, potential ability to increase his performances and generally be a lot better is is certainly within reach. So hoping for the Jets to make the right decision, hoping Winnipeg can take advantage of this abundance of D to try and bring in a, a major forward talent. We're definitely overdue for an upgrade up front while the back end could at least be a little bit more mobile, a little bit faster and with some more offensive upside. But let me know what you think about all of this. You know, do you think the Jets could actually move Pionk? Do you think they even have any intention of doing so? Let me know in the comments below or at my social medias at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Tomorrow, we will have coverage on uh, Winnipeg's game against the Sabres and how the Jets perform in that one. Should be a fun game. Should be very difficult, but hopefully the Jets come out on the right side. But like I said, for tonight's episode, that is all the time that we have. I thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.